Welcome to Onward in the Faith. My name is Ray Burns, and this podcast is all about equipping Christians to approach every area of life with a biblical worldview. Today, I would like to discuss what the Bible actually is. And this is an important topic for us to discuss, because as Christians, a lot of what we do is based on our beliefs on the Bible. If we believe the Bible is something that has primary authority in our lives, it's going to affect a lot of what we do. If we see it as something that is just helpful to us, then it's only going to play a small part in all the decisions that we make in our lives. And in the world we live in, there are a lot of views and ideas about what this book actually is, what it's about, and what role it's supposed to play in our lives. And if you've grown up in the church, or if you've only been exposed to Christians in your own faith tradition— then there are some views out there that sometimes we just aren't familiar with. And so it's probably a good idea to start off with just some common understandings that people have about the Bible. A very popular one, especially today, is that the Bible is just something that motivates us or it empowers us for better living in our lives. It's kind of seen as just a big list of inspirational quotes and things to put on our social media pages or to hang on our walls and things like that where it's meant to make us feel good. It's meant to make us a better version of who we are. Other people may go a totally different route and treat it as sort of a rule book. They will sometimes maybe take the Bible very literally and say that whatever it says is exactly how we should live our lives. They may base their beliefs on individual Bible verses as opposed to bigger Bible teachings. And if you want to get a bigger understanding of what I mean by that and why that's a problem— check out my episode about how to read the Bible. A lot of people, especially throughout history, but even today, will see the Bible as just a nice book of morality. It's a good moral guide for us. Uh, Even as far back as the American Founding Fathers, uh, Thomas Jefferson is actually famous for making his own version of the Bible, where he basically cut out everything supernatural in the book and just kept it as a very natural thing. So anything history or poetry, things like that were kept in, but anything that was seemed weird or impossible was removed, and what he was left with was just some people doing stuff because they were good people or bad people. And I find this idea funny, especially in our modern times, where people say, oh, you know, the Bible's just this good thing that helps me live a good life and helps us be good people. Because if we really read the Bible, it's really not about that at all. Jesus Christ himself, in Matthew 10, 34-37, said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves his father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And so here we have Christ basically saying, no, I didn't come to be a good guy or to make people happy or to teach people how to be peaceful. Jesus Christ himself said he came to set the world against one another. He came to set his believers against those who don't follow. He came to call us to a life of following him absolutely and for him to be the primary focus of our lives. And for him to basically say homes and families may be destroyed by what I'm teaching isn't the best moral lesson I think that he could have been teaching. Likewise, we can even find in Psalms where David says a lot of curses and frustrations against his enemies. 
And one of the less violent ones is in Psalm 55, verse 15, where he says, Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the grave. And so here we just see this idea of the Bible just being this good moral book leaves a lot to be desired, if that's really how we want to use it in our lives. As atheism and lack of belief in the Bible becomes more popular, there's a steadily growing idea that the Bible is just historical fact mixed with fiction. So they would see it like the book The Iliad by Homer, which you may be more familiar with the movie Troy that was released several years ago, which is the story of basically a Greek war. But in this book, The Iliad, it takes what is accepted as historical fact and adds gods and goddesses and all these legendary heroes to the mix, really muddying the waters between what really happened and what has been made up by people that wanted to force their religious views into history. And those are all popular ideas about the Bible. Some may be more popular than others. Some may be more popular with people in our circles than others. But what all of them lack is the impact that the Bible has in lives of people today and even throughout history. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't want the Bible to be something that makes us feel good or that makes us a better version of us. Because when we read the Bible, we realize that we don't have a lot of good to offer. We don't have any good to offer. And so to be a better version of ourselves is to just take zero and add more zeros to it. You know, on our own, we, we aren't capable of good. And that's why the Bible is so important to us, because it, it's our source of knowing God. And it's our, really, it's our guide in life to help us understand truth and know what it means to live holy lives that please God. Not because we need to impress him or because we need to be good people, but because as his people, we want to live lives that please him. And the Bible is one of the best sources we have to understand not only what that looks like, but also what it doesn't look like. And the reason that we make the Bible our highest priority and our number one authority in terms of truth, in terms of our worldview, is because if the Bible is true, if the things written in it are true— then it should radically change everything about us. It should change our hearts. It should change our minds. It should change everything that we view about the world, about ourselves. And from there, it should drastically impact how we live our lives. But of course, we need to ask, why put such importance on such an old book? You know, We don't do that with Shakespeare. We don't do that with any other historical writing, really. Even famous philosophers like Plato aren't very well followed today. People will talk about them, but only as a study of here's where we came from. So why is it that this Bible is the book that people still place such emphasis on and still let totally dictate the course of their lives? And that's really a simple question, but it's also a very complicated one. And so what I'd like to actually do is spend two episodes talking about, first, what the Bible actually is if we're calling it our authority, if we're saying that it really dictates what we view as truth and what we reject as lies, then we need to understand why we view the Bible in that way. What is so special about this book that sets it apart from everything else in the universe? And then next episode, I'll get down to kind of the more practical application of if the Bible is true, if it is worthy of being our highest authority, 
then how should it affect us? What should that do? How should our lives look knowing that the things written in this book are the words of God themselves? And the first thing that we need to really just understand about the Bible, and one thing that I think a lot of other beliefs about the Bible really just miss, is that the Bible is simply given to us by God himself. It's not a collection of ideas. It's not something that was just made up. It was actually given to us directly and purposefully by God himself. And we can see that in 2 Timothy 3.16, which says that all scripture is inspired by God. And now that inspired, depending on your translation, it may also say something like God breathed. And that's a really interesting term, and it's a really important distinction to make. Because when we think about what role God played in the Bible, it's very easy for us to fall on one of two extremes. Some people might think that God kind of wrote it word for word himself. In other words, he had human writers, but he kind of grabbed their hand or mind-controlled them, if you will, or told them word for word, here's what needs to be written down. And that becomes really problematic because when you read the Bible— it doesn't read like one voice. It's not like picking up a huge biography written by a single author, and they have that same voice, that same tone, the same sentence structures, things like that. The Bible is wildly different between each of these 66 books. And for two examples, if you read Paul, things like Romans or Corinthians or Ephesians, You'll notice that when Paul writes, he has a lot of big thoughts that sort of blend together all at once. He uses a lot of commas and a lot of words before he gets to a single period. And so when you're trying to read Paul, sometimes you can get really lost because he'll start with one point and then he'll say something that he'll then dig into. And then he'll kind of clarify it and then he'll get back to that original point. And it's, it's kind of this winding way of talking or writing that he does. But that's unique to Paul. That's clearly how he wrote or how he thought. And if we were to be able to read any letters that he wrote to friends or things that weren't necessarily church-related, I'm guessing we would see that same writing style there. Meanwhile, if you read the book of Mark, it's a very punchy, to-the-point thing. He gets into the action, he tells you what happens, and then he kind of backs out and goes on to the next scene. And so Mark almost reads kind of like an action news reporter where he just wants to give it to you fast and just tell you the facts of what's happening. And so that only makes sense if God himself isn't somehow changing his tone and voice and writing style, but instead is somehow letting the author's personalities and styles play a part in what we're reading. And of course, we need to be careful not to go the other direction and think that the Bible is just a collection of men's ideas. And we can see that very much clarified in 2 Peter 1.21, where Peter says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And that's just pointing out that whatever we read, because at that point Peter mostly just had the Old Testament, and so he was pointing out that nothing that we read in the Old Testament or anywhere in the Bible, as we'll discuss, is something that was just conjured up by a human's desire to say something or think something, but instead it was God himself that somehow moved people to write these things and to say these things. And so if we take these two ideas of God having a big part, but man also having a big part, then what we actually see is that when the Bible says that it's inspired by God, 
what we have to conclude is that it was inspired by God, but written by men. In other words, we see the author's personality and thoughts, but what they are writing is what we would call inerrant or without error in what they originally wrote. And that's not to say that the Bible that we have today is 100% without any kind of minor errors, because while this is definitely a topic that deserves its own episode, the basic idea, whenever you have people point out that, oh, the Bible's filled with 50,000 errors in it, where those actually come from is that when you understand how the Bible was written, how it was copied, we don't actually have any of the original manuscripts. With the technology they had back then, they actually had Paul's original letter, but then they would copy that to preserve it, and then they would copy that to preserve that. And on and on, people would make copies of copies of copies. And with their methods and things like that, minor errors would slip in because these were not people who were inspired by God in their copying. They were men who loved God, doing the best they could with what they had. And so you would have people who may miss a comma here or have a letter written in such a way that it looked like one number instead of another or things like that. But it's important to realize that the more manuscripts we find that are older, the more we're realizing that no important teachings of the Bible have ever been changed or doctored or even messed up. It's always been these little things that don't really change much of what we believe. And what's really interesting about that verse in 2 Timothy where he talks about all scripture is inspired by God that we as modern readers may miss is that Paul at that time didn't have the New Testament as we understand it because it was still being written. And so when they talk about the scripture, they're talking, of course, about the Old Testament because that's what they had on hand. They had those first books of the Bible. But that's not to say that everything from the Gospels and the Epistles and Revelation somehow aren't inspired because we actually see that New Testament writings were given the exact same authority as books like Genesis or Isaiah. And so we see this as Peter is speaking in 2 Peter 3.16, and he's talking about some of Paul's letters and how they're difficult to understand. And then he says about Paul's letters, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. So here Peter's dealing with some false teachers who are twisting the Bible, the words of God that are seen as what are called the scriptures or the, these sacred writings. And he's saying that they twist Psalms, they twist Leviticus, they twist Daniel, just like they do all the rest of scripture, which includes Paul's letters. And so here we see that Peter is giving that same weight to these New Testament writings that we now have today. And it's not just people like Paul and Peter, of course, Christ himself, spoke with even more authority than these Old Testament writers ever could have. In John 5, 36 through 37, he says, For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Here, of course, Christ pointing out that if you aren't going to believe even the words of Moses, how on earth are you going to believe the things that I say? Because Christ's words were even more authoritative, even more direct from God, because Christ is God. And so, whereas Moses was speaking from inspiration by God, Christ was speaking as God. And of course, Christ's words deserve obedience, and he even calls us 
to obey him. In John 14, 15, where he says simply, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And that is a lifestyle, that is a system that was only reserved for the God of the Old Testament, the the God that these people knew through the writings of Moses. And Christ here is saying, you know, just as you obey God because you love him, you will obey me because you love me, and you will keep the things that I tell you. And that's because Christ has the authority of God. In Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. Once again, we see it very much reinforced that the things that Christ is saying are authoritative, that God once spoke in this way, but now he's speaking to us through Christ. And so Christ, clearly, his words are New Testament writings, and therefore what we read in the New Testament is also authoritative. And that's the big thing, really, to understand about the Bible, is that it is 100% given to us by God, and it's given to us for a purpose, So we have to realize that this isn't something that is just a matter of opinion, and despite popular belief, it's definitely not outdated. If it was given to us by God, then it tells us some very important things about God. And we see that God is a God who loves truth. And so the things that he gives us are going to be true. But not only that, they weren't just true then, because God is timeless and God doesn't change. And so if these things were true about God then... They're going to be true for him today and tomorrow and forever. And so that God in the Old Testament who loved justice and had wrath and gave mercy to people is that same God who today still has wrath and demands justice, but also shows great mercy. And he showed it the most greatly at the cross when he poured out his wrath on Christ because God demanded justice for our sins. But that's not some old, outdated idea that we need to do away with or change or even apologize for. God is God. He is who he is, no matter how popular or unpopular that may be. And so because God doesn't change, because he is who he is, then what we can realize is that what he wanted for the churches back when Paul was writing is the same thing that God wants for us today. Now, how that plays out is going to be different, but the core concepts and beliefs behind it are going to be the same because that's simply how God wants the bride of Christ to be. It's how he wants his people to think and reason and to live out their lives. And so as we're considering the Bible, as we're saying that it is an authority in our lives because it's given to us by God, and if God is our maker, if God is our designer, then really it comes down to what does my creator and maker say is best for me? What does he want? And above all, what did he design me and create me for? And that's what we find in the Bible. So despite what a world that hates him might say, what he wants for us isn't outdated. It's not something that we need to change and freshen up for and put a new polish on. God says what he says, and that's enough. And not only that, but one of the best things about the Bible is it's one of the clearest ways we have to actually hear from our God. So, of course, we have prayer. We have the Holy Spirit who was given to us to comfort us, to grow us, to develop us and to help us understand the will of God. But one of the best ways for the Holy Spirit to spark truth in us, to really ignite a fire, is for us to use the Bible to build truth around ourselves for the Holy Spirit to ignite. 
So if you picture kind of like a campfire, the best way to create a blazing fire is to start with kindling. And that's kind of what the Bible gives us, is the Bible gives us all this truth we need, and then the Holy Spirit uses that truth that is timeless to make it modern for us, to tell us what that means for us today. And so while the teachings of the Holy Spirit are valuable to us, while prayer can help us better seek wisdom from God and have things revealed to us, when we go to the Bible— We have no confusion about what our emotions or our desires might be telling us. If you've ever heard the story of someone who goes to their pastor and says, you know, I've been praying and really seeking God, and I really feel like God is telling me to divorce my wife and marry my secretary. And I just, I feel it's it's such a strong feeling I have from God. I know this is what he wants for me. Well, if our primary way of hearing from God is just our feelings and emotions and that kind of personal thing, then we have no way of telling people that what they're doing is not in the will of God. But with the Bible that God has given us, we can go and say, here's what you are feeling. Here's what you're thinking. Let's see if it lines up with what God's given us. Let's see if it lines up with how God has revealed his will and his desires and his character in this book. And so when our emotions and when our desires might be deceiving us, might be blinding us to truth, all we need to do is turn to the Bible, turn to this wonderful gift that God has given us, and we can know with certainty, am I right in what I'm feeling and thinking? Is this the right course of action for me? Or am I trying to make God okay with my desires and am I deceiving myself? And on top of that, not only does it help us with our own lives, but it helps us to talk to others about God. Because when people say, why do you read the Bible? Why do you go to church? Why do you not watch certain movies or listen to certain music? Why don't you go out and get drunk with us every night? If we just say, well, I feel like I shouldn't, then people need to change what we feel. But if we can take them to the Bible and say, here's why I don't look at pornography. Here's why... I'm not okay with yelling at my kids, and I don't want that to be seen as a normal thing. Here's why I'm not anxious about losing my job or being sick. It's because of what I see in this book. Then that's unchangeable, because it's concrete. It's there. It's what God has said. It's not about what we feel. And most of all, because the Bible is given to us directly from God, because it is inspired by Him, and especially because everything written there is true— then one of the greatest things about the Bible is simply that it reveals God. In any part of the Bible that we turn to, God is showing us who he is and what he desires. Sometimes he shows that by saying it directly. Sometimes he shows who he is by letting human beings show who they are. So all these stories we read throughout the New and Old Testament about people failing and falling into sin and needing to be corrected, that's really our story. That shows who we are. But beyond that, we always see God. We see him coming to the rescue. We see him fixing things. We see like with Joseph where he said, you meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. That's not just true of his brothers. That's true of all of us through all of time. Everything we mean for evil, God uses for good. And he shows that all throughout the Bible. So even in those areas in the Old Testament that people want to ignore or do away with, where we say, well, that that's then. That doesn't apply to us today because we aren't under the law. We're under grace. And while that's absolutely true, while we are not bound by the law, we still follow the lawgiver. And so while there is no punishment for keeping or not keeping laws, 
And while we aren't at all expected to live them out, there's still something to be gained from why God said certain things or forbade certain things in the Bible. In, I want to say, Leviticus, God puts a forbidding on decorating trees. And now some people today might take that and say, oh, see, we can't have Christmas trees because God forbids decorating trees. But no, what that's revealing to us is that God doesn't want us to blend into the culture and to take on their practices and their belief systems and try to merge them with our own. I mean, really, that's what this whole episode is about, is about not taking the world and trying to make it work with God, but instead taking God and living out what he wants, regardless of what the world is doing. And so while we don't live out a lot of what we see in the Bible, and especially the Old Testament, there is a lot that God reveals about why he did certain things, why he said certain things, why he wanted his people to behave certain ways. And that's so valuable to us because in the end, we just get a huge picture of who God is, not in just kind of a bullet point list, but really seeing who he is as a living being, as a perfect and powerful and loving God of the universe. We see it all throughout how he interacts with people from Genesis all the way through Revelation, and we see how that is still the same with how he deals with us today. And so in the end, when we're thinking about the Bible and we're thinking about what value it has in our lives, as followers of Christ, the greatest thing that we could possibly desire is to love the things that God loves and hate the things that he hates. And when we know that the Bible is given to us by God, it's not a matter of making us better people. It's not a historical document. It's not just a way of good moral living, but it's the living word of God that was given with a purpose to reveal who God is and from there teach us how we should live our lives. Then when the question of what is the Bible comes up, we can say very simply that the Bible is a beautiful gift from our good and perfect God. If you found this episode valuable, consider supporting me for as little as $1 every month by visiting patreon.com slash onwardinthefaith. Today's episode comes from an article that appeared on my blog, which will be linked down in the show notes, or you can find other articles at onwardinthefaith.com. Thank you for listening. Now keep moving onward in your faith toward maturity in Christ. Thank you.